Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, maps for recognizing and responding to God in my story, Sharon Swing. Greetings, everyone. This is Sharon Swing. We are so glad you chose to join us today. It's another episode to talk about recognizing and responding to God in our story. And today, our guest is John Peacock. Uh, not only do I consider John a friend, but he is, he is my pastor. And we asked him about two years ago if he'd be our pastor. That was an interesting conversation. And uh, um, he is the pastor of Mission Church in Bloomingdale, Illinois, a growing church and uh, doing church a little differently these days, um, helping people to recognize that they are on mission wherever they go. So greetings, John. Thank you so much. For your uh, you're, you're so welcome. It's an honor to, to be on the podcast with you. Well, thanks. And John is also great friends with Sybil Towner and, mm. uh, and Dick Towner. And I hear you just got back from a visit. I, I did. And so if I, if there is anything uh, with, uh, that said that sounds profound or with any kind of depth, just go ahead and light and connect that to my time at the Springs this weekend. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm coming to you today, just feeling very uh, replenished. So grateful for Dick and Sybil Towner, the role that they have played and continue to play in my life. So yeah, we had a great time together. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's amazing. I, she, we just got off of a uh, facilitator equipping call where we're talking mm. about the reviewing my days map and she was mm. she had mentioned um, the fact that there were two young girls around their table and they were asking <laughs> some good questions mm -hmm. so how was that for you it was awesome uh, to to really uh, have space to put the cell phone away um, you know to be with people that are uh, that know us and love us to see my daughters just run around and uh, have an incredible time. It was, it was such a good time. And, and I think just to pay attention to different things that we're feeling, different thoughts we're thinking is, is always really important. And it just seems like when I can geographically get away, how clear I, I get mentally and I'm able to pay attention to a lot of different things. So yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, and a five-hour combined with a five-hour drive, and I hear you pick something up that was of value. I sure did. Uh, he Dick Towner handed down to me his prized canoe. So, man, it was a it was a pretty emotional transaction. He he gave it to me, but shook my hand. There was a definitely a, a look in his eye of both joy and a little bit of lament. But yeah, I strapped that thing down and we drove through the storm. So it took us about, it took us a little longer than usual because I thought that thing was going to blow off. It was it was a little dicey on the drive home, but we made it. <laughs> oh man! Well, yeah. he could have handed it down to anyone better than you, mm. and I know that that was such a treasured possession yeah. and a passing of the baton of sorts. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So just say a few words about what what uh, Dick had introduced you to. Yeah, it was back in 2000 in, well, early, yeah, 2009 in the fall. My wife, Kelly, and I at the time had been married for a couple of years. And we were having a conversation with Dick and Sybil Towner. And they said, hey, what if you guys moved in with us? And we thought about it, prayed about it, and decided there's no better form, or at least probably no better dynamic form of discipleship than like, like living with one another kind of discipleship. You know, it's easy to um, 
act a certain way for an hour on Sunday. It's a total different thing when you live with people and you get to see their normal everyday life seven days a week. And that's what we wanted. We wanted to see their normal everyday life seven days a week. And we did. So we moved in with them. We lived with them for about a year. And in that process, Dick Tautner started to talk to me about an annual pilgrimage he takes to a place called Quetico Provincial Park. It's in Southern Ontario, just over the border. It's a million square miles of wilderness adventure, all you can handle and then some. And so that was in 2010, that was the inaugural trip. He taught me how to do the trip, how to guide the trip. And I've been going ever since. I've taken a, a lot of different guys up there with me. It is a really, really important annual trip for me for a lot of reasons. And now I'm gonna get to canoe those sacred waters in none other than Dick Towner's canoe. So it's a pretty cool thing. It's legendary actually, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, Tom and John. So my husband, Tom Swing, and Joe and Kelly's husband, John, got to go with Dick last year. Yes. Which he yes. thinks may have been his last trip. Yeah, that's what he told me. I think that is his final one. So we honor and treasure mm -hmm. Dick Towner yep. and his, and how many people he's introduced because yeah. and 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 being on the receiving end of a of having a husband return from a trip like that you get the best version of him back. Yeah, that's right. It, yeah. So true. I'll willingly send him away <laughs> 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 when I get that back. So, in any case, John, um, one of the things I want to talk to you about and ask you about is your image of God growing up. What, what kind of characteristics did God have in your mind? You know, I, I viewed God as a fun God, a loving God, a compassionate God. You know, certainly our image of God is formed by our parents and especially by our fathers. And so uh, a huge advantage in my life. Sharon is the man that raised me, my father. Walt Peacock, Dr. Walt Peacock. Brother is, Walt is brother, That's right, Brother Walt. He's, um, he's a very loving man and loved me really well. Gave me space to, to be a boy and to scrape my knees and to climb trees and get lost in the woods. And so that, that's a lot of my view of God growing up. Yeah, fun, compassionate, loving. Um, yeah, and I would probably say, I don't think my dad would mind me saying this too, is also um, a God that um, expects a lot out of me. Yeah. And so has your picture of God changed over time? That's such a good question. I, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say maybe expanded. Some of those are are still the case today. I, I, I view uh, God even more as fun. The more that I've uh, journeyed through my Enneagram type as a seven wing eight, seven wing eight, you know, and oh my gosh. Uh -huh. So <laughs> that probably explains to you a lot of things about your pastor. <laughs> uh, I love the Enneagram. We could talk about that if you'd like, but yeah, I, I, I view God even more. And now as a father, I, I view God even more as a God of unlimited joy 
And so maybe I've just defined fun in with a little more stability to it, a little more depth to it as joy. Uh, definitely compassionate. But I, I think I probably add in some new ways of, of viewing God as a God of justice, a God that um, has a global heart, you know, just some experiences as a college student and 20 something of traveling different places in the world certainly affected my, my view of God in a, in a real healthy way. I think broadened it. Mm, that's beautiful. And so I know that you enjoy silence and solitude and not everybody yeah. does. <laughs> yep. so what was your approach of, to the thought of silence and solitude as a regular yeah. life? Yeah. Yeah. My approach to it is connected to probably another like massive aspect of how I began to see God in, in my twenties, which is a missional God, a God. Uh, he's the God of mission, the God who's been on mission since the very beginning, you know, the father sent the son, the son sent the spirit. Now the spirit sends us the church. And so mission isn't just like something that like, you know, the church does now we were made in the image of this missional God. Therefore we join him on his mission. And so that view of God really in my twenties. And then, you know, we started a church called mission church because it's that big of a theme of how I see God at work in the world and at work since the beginning. And so with that, uh, you know, you join Jesus who is God, the son of God on his mission that he started. And with that comes so much fun, excitement, also pain and loss, uh, suffering. You suffer with people. Um, it, it, all of that comes with joining Jesus on his mission, but also with that can come fatigue yeah, because, busy. yeah, you know, cause the mission is it's 24 seven, God is always at work. And so I'm a church planter. Uh, we started mission church, you know, almost 10 years ago, we were underground for a year. So we're, we're coming up at the 10 year mark and it was probably around year three, I would think that massive amounts of fatigue began to kick in. It's when I was no longer uh, an extrovert. <laughs> and so um, I began to journey more towards a five uh, on the Enneagram. I learned how to be alone. I learned to do deeper work. And actually Sybil was just talking to me about this, uh, this weekend of the seven one, I shouldn't Enneagram this whole podcast, but the whole seven one four thing, which is joy with the stability so the joy of a seven with the stability of a one with the depth of a four mm -hmm. and i was like holy cow that has really put enneagram language to a lot of the journey i've been on for the past probably five six years sharon and a big mm -hmm. part of that uh, stability and depth has come because of solitude and choosing to get outside with uh, our creator and enjoy him in his creation. So prior to finding the outdoor and solitude piece together, did you have an image of this silence and solitude thing that would mm -hmm. be something less attractive than what you've fallen into at this point? Absolutely. I'm not a natural contemplative. And so I think I, think I had a really thin view of solitude which was you have to like um, get into an uncomfortable position, 
or you just have to like sit in a chair and like you can't move, you know, do not move for 30 minutes or an hour or even longer. And that just sounded like torture for me, uh, just the way I'm wired up. But I actually, I'd probably just fall asleep, you know, if I sat there. So mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of just, I think early on dismissed solitude as that's, that's not for me. That's really something that contemplatives do. And, you know, that's great for them, but I'm not a contemplative. Um, I can always grow in that, but eh, it's just not me. So I, I really pushed it off as that's just not a practice. I would have called it a dis, I would have probably called it something else besides a practice back then. Um, now I call it a practice and just that the wording is very helpful for me. So what were the first times that you started recognizing the recognizing God's invitation to silence mm-hmm. and solitude? You know, coming back to what we talked about earlier, my, when I started going every summer, really late, late spring to up to Quetico. So I'd go up to this very quiet place. There's no motorized vehicles. There's really no people. And you'd go five days without seeing anyone besides the few guys that you're with. You'll spend hours at a time quietly paddling through lakes. And in many ways, my time up there would really bring to the surface, it would be like a crucible of silence. It would bring to the surface in many ways, like the best version of me. And I'd come home and my wife sure liked what came home. And, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I kind of quickly arrived at something, which is um, I need to find some mini Quetico experiences for me to really consistently be that man. And, you know, it's good to go on that voyage once a year, but there, there happens to be, you know, whether I like it or not, 51 other weeks out of the year. <laughs> so, so how am I in this world? Uh, what do I look like? How do I go through this life and my life with God, the other 51 weeks out of the year? And so that's when I began to think about my time away daily as these like mini little Quetico adventure experiences. So there's just little things, Sharon, words are really important for me. So I don't call them walks. I call them hikes. And I mean, I understand it's a walk, but it's a hike because I I need to call it a hike. And it it is off trail, which is really important for me. It doesn't work if I walk around my neighborhood. Uh, I have to get somewhere off trail. So I go on a hike. Uh, just about every just, location, right? That's right. That's right. I can't tell anyone where it's at because they'll find me. And then, um, you know, so that, that'll ruin it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I think that's a lot of how I arrived at, you know, I've turned around and I'm like, oh my goodness, look at me. I'm like, like seriously practicing solitude. Like I, I, I'm the regular. Yeah. I remember um, talking to, to Kelly after you got Jack, your dog. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and saying, I didn't quite get how important this dog was going to be to John's soul. Hmm. Can you yeah. say something, say something about Jack? <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's behaving himself right now. Uh, he's asleep in his kennel. So I have a, I have this dog named Jack and he is, he's a hunting dog. And so his breed is a higher energy kind of breed. And so truly he needs an hour of exercise every day. Otherwise um, there's some adverse effects he can get. It's just not good, which then affects my wife, which then affects me. And so 
I've realized, man, I'm a lot like Jack. And uh, I have this built-in accountability partner named Jack, my dog. I have to get him outside for an hour a day, you know, unless it's a really bad storm. We're out there for an hour every day. And it started out as like, I got to do this for my dog. And then quickly I realized what Jesus did is uh, he's like, no, actually, I think, I think this is for you. And it's good for your dog too, but this is definitely for you. So, so did you good. get really serious about it after you got Jack then? Did Jack actually yeah, Jack, a corner with it? Big time. Jack, Jack has been a total catalyst for what I would call ongoing, continual, um, the practicing solitude. So before I think probably sharing it be like once a week, maybe once every other week, I'd get away for an hour, walk around in the woods, maybe once a month but it was real spotty. And I mean, I, I practice solitude, which also then helps me practice peace and calm and a bunch of other good stuff almost every day. I, it, so, but yeah, without Jack, I mean, that's what's so interesting about this is it, it forced this new kind of holy sacred, sacred rhythm in my, my life. It's a daily practice now. <laughs> mm. So how has God used it? What's it? How's your life different? Mm-hmm. You know, I, the, I'm a results oriented, I'm wired up that way. So um, I can be too much that way if I'm not careful. And so I, I would view different spiritual practices like that. Like show me the the return on that investment right now, you know? <laughs> And I think a lot of people are, are probably wired up like that as well. And, and so, you know, we take that, that lens and use that as a filter for engaging in multiple things, whether it's reading the Bible, whether it's confession, whether it's secrecy, whether it's solitude, celebration, whatever it might be. And I, I had been using that lens, like I need to see the instant return on that investment, you know, cause time is very valuable. I seem to have less of it. Um, the older I'm getting. So it was just a really unhelpful lens. Um, and so that, that word practice has really kind of affected it. And so I'm practicing solitude. I'm not accomplishing it. I'm practicing it because if I'm accomplishing solitude, then I need to like almost like measurably see that, okay, that was a good solitude session. You know what I'm saying? And it just, it, it really affected how I engaged in it versus practicing. Um, it's more of a long game approach. There's some walks where I really like really hear from God. Like there'd just be something I'll see, I'll see a bird. Um, and God will just like, show me like, Hey, does that bird look overwhelmed? You know, and he'll just like remind me of a passage, you know, like, uh, I'll see a sunset. Um, there'll be so many different things. So there's some times where it's like, Whoa, instant impact. Uh, but there's a lot of times where it won't hit me for an hour later or even a day later. And it's, I think what it's done is it's taken the pressure off of it. Mm -hmm. I, uh, subconsciously, would put so much pressure on that pra spiritual practice. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a lot of us do that, whether it's, you know, trying to practice silence, you know, and so we, we go somewhere or do a retreat and we even subconsciously, we just put so much pressure on ourselves. And then it, it's just like, we, we tighten up, we tense up, or am I hearing God right? You know? And I just, I think Jesus would, um, he's at least teaching me that, Hey, the pressure's off, just practice being in my presence. Um, you may see the instant impact. You may not. Let's play the long game. Just keep coming on walks with me. And I would say now over the course of almost two years of almost, you know, daily solitude, uh, the, the body of work, you know, I, you know, the body of, you know, all of those walks I feel like I am, I am a, a better man because of it overall. I feel like I am a better husband and, and dad and neighbor. I mean, I, I hope my staff would say I'm a, I'm a, you know, more grounded and stable, uh, joyful leader to serve with. I hope they would say that you could ask them. So you know who they are, but, but yeah, I, so those, those things have been really helpful for me. So can you tell us one story about how God had maybe used the nature or, uh, or even Jack, what you've Mm. noticed on your walk to speak to your soul? So the place I go, there's, um, it takes about, takes about 25 minutes to get to this one spot. And I think when I first started out, that kind of bothered me, you know, I was like, man, how can I get there? You know, the fastest. And, you know, it finally occurred to me, like, here I am again, just microwaving a spiritual practice. And I I think over time, just the length of getting to that spot is part of what God is teaching me of, you know, being with God is let's not be in a hurry. Um, And so I've now found that, man, I'm so thankful for the 25 minutes there and the 25 minutes back. I, I've needed that amount of time to unwind to um, yeah. And I think with that too, is this um, built in intentionality of like, um, you know, the word tells us that, you know, like if you really seek me, you know, with, with your whole heart, you know, you'll, you'll really find what you're looking for. And, and so I don't accidentally get there, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've never accidentally gotten to that spot. Um, and that's been very true in my life. I've never drifted into the kind of person that I believe Jesus has called me and created me and equipped me through his spirit to be. It's this great intentional collaborative work with the spirit of God within me. And so just because it's a 25 minute walk, I just, I'm like, I feel and sense the God wink of like, and being like, see, (laughs) you know, how long it takes to gear you down, John. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, yep. I totally get that because sometimes if I'm going on a retreat, um, the drive there and the drive back becomes incredibly important mm. and it can't be yeah. too short. Yes. And uh, that's something I found in, in another, uh, I went on a five-day backpacking trip with, uh, mm. with, with, um, with four other women a couple of years back. Actually, it was right up at the Superior Trail. Oh, so yeah. Too terribly far from where, where you go to Quetico. And um, I was really hoping for some good God experiences along the way, and uh, it was really wet and rainy, and uh, it, it was it was an interesting trip in a lot of different ways. 
So to, to cut a very long story short, I was really hoping to have one of those God moments in the midst of it mm. where I would just sense that wash of God's love over me, you know, mm. had those before and I just wanted to sense that again. And the last day, the, the trek out, it was, to say it was wet was, is a total mm-hmm. understatement. We're talking mm-hmm. about waterproof boots that are filled to the brim and when you take them off, you pour them out kind of day. Wow. wow. <laughs> and uh, going through mud that's, you know, just about to the top of the boots and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we're on our last quarter mile. And, I'm, and, and they send us all out five minutes apart to just go out in solitude. And I'm having this conversation with God about, you know, I was just really hoping that I would have one of those moments and, mm. and, and I'll, it just, it, I could hardly even get that thought, that complete thought out. And I sensed God's, God's spirit speak to me, Sharon, it's all in I love you. Look mm. around you, you know, mm. cause I'd been taking pictures the whole time. It's, it's all, and I love you. Everything mm. you've seen, everything you've experienced, it's in I love you. Mm. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those those moments you just go, oh, I can be here for five days and still not see it. Mm-hmm. And thank mm. you. Mm. I just thank you. And so now as I look at nature, I just, you know, just remember this echo of that voice saying, it's all and I love you. Mm. And um, yeah, that connection with solitude and nature for me is also because I'm not a sit in a chair person either. Hmm. So um, it doesn't have to look the same for everybody. Sometimes it's when I'm doing my art. I, what, do you know some other people that have different ways that they do this silence and solitude thing? Hmm. You know, I guess, um, yeah, because there's, there's plenty of folks that uh, may sit you know, they've told me they kind of have their chair and they'll sit in their chair and they'll journal, you know, you mentioning the art piece. Um, yeah, it's not a, it's not a one size fits all. I mean, it's, it's, I think there's a variety in it, which is to me kind of fun. You know, it's like, Hey, get out there and, and find, find the form that, yeah. that, that really ministers to your soul the most. Yeah. Follow the invitations, right? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. I, and I think, you know, like it's, we, um, I think it's something I've learned that's important is solitude is, is um, if I make it about me, then it terminates on itself. But it's, you know, we don't go into solitude for ourselves. Now, in, in part, we do. I mean, this is what I think. We, we, we do that to, in part, we go in because we know we want to connect with the Father. We, we want to be in step with Jesus. We want to be um, increasingly filled with the spirit. But I, I think the, we come out of solitude as, as a way to now bless the world, you know, and I, I think that's just really important is for anyone listening that may agree with me that we serve a missional God. I'd say one of the most missional things you can do to, to live on mission for the long term is to practice solitude. And that was modeled the best by the greatest missionary of all time, Jesus Christ. And so that's what we see. We see him getting away with the father. And then from that place, you know, there's, there's more to give. And so I, 
you know, I think it's, it's, uh, if I, but I think when folks make spiritual practices, um, only about themselves, it terminates on itself. And, and that's, it's really not what it is. In, in my opinion, it's, um, it's certainly a way to be connected to the father, to, to hear from him, to be loved by him apart from us accomplishing X, Y, and Z. But then from that place, you know, we become, we become the bread along with Jesus that, uh, that blesses the world. So we're always talking to people about mapping their life story as a spiritual practice and finding mm-hmm. those places of um, where our picture of God may need to change, where uh, where our picture of who we are needs to change, and um, just getting healthy in general. Mm. And and like what you're saying, it's not about just me getting healthy. It's because of the fact that well, we know that hurt people hurt people, and I sure don't yeah. want to be a hurt person that hurts people. And we keep carrying around our wounds in various different ways, mm. and um, and that inflow of what God has for us and the invitations mm. he has for us um, will have good, good results in us, but allow us to be a person that has the capacity to love more fully, mm. um, yep. to be able to hear the invitations of, of whatever God has for the adventure of, of serving others mm. in the midst of all this. So, um, yeah, the whole cycle is just so much more gracious than what I grew up seeing it as being. I saw God more as a taskmaster, master, um, a line judge, mm. telling me when I was in and out of bounds was the kind of the background that I grew mm-hmm. up in. And so there was some unlearning to do for me in the process of that. But um, he's just, like you said, more fun. I mean, most people would not pick their top descriptor of who God is is fun (laughs) and uh, I get that I mean he's he's um he he keeps showing up in this kind of with this wry humor (laughs) Mm -hmm. that makes me laugh and when I'm when I'm coaching other people and 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 doing some imaginative prayer and the way he shows up and the things he says that are so winsome and inviting and and just Hmm. oh my goodness so much more and so much more in just just inviting and like you said fun what can i say you said it well yeah i mean yeah as a high schooler and college student i was searching for an adventure of a lifetime never did i think that could be found in christ (laughs) you know I just kind of like a lot of folks at times think of like, okay, let me go live my crazy wildlife apart from Christ. Then when I get a mortgage and some kids, I'll settle down. I'm like, man, no, actually the greatest adventure of, of our life is, is walking in step with Jesus. And it's mm-hmm. the cool thing is it's an adventure you don't regret. It's yeah. an adventure you can wake up on Monday morning without a headache and um, without regret. Um, but instead with man, a ton of joy and excitement. And yeah, it's, it's been pretty important for me. And then whoever thought that, I mean, when you have kids, you think, you know, they use the term settle down like you did. And it's like getting, having kids is nothing about settling down. <laughs> no, so true. It's such a good adventure and so much energy. So awesome. Well, John, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your uh, 
honest reflection on this and I just appreciate your story and um, what it has to um, just as a gift the story in itself is a gift for for me and a lot of other people oh you're so welcome thanks thanks for having me on the on the podcast it's an honor absolutely it's an honor to be with you This podcast is sponsored by OneLifeMaps.com, creators of unique visual life mapping materials titled, Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story. Go to OneLifeMaps.com to purchase your Listen to My Life portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's OneLifeMaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S dot com. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You can help support this podcast and the work of One Life Maps by supporting us on Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com slash onelifemaps to pledge $5 or more per month and get weekly audio meditations to help you recognize and respond to God in your story. Thank you for tuning in to the One Life Maps podcast. Until next time, make the most of this one life that you've been gifted. Mm-hmm.